0: Welcome to Talking TRM, the travel risk management podcast. I'm Bex Dedman and I'm an independent consultant specializing in ISO 31030. During my transition from corporate travel to travel risk, I have met some incredible individuals driving travel risk management forward with passion and expertise. On this podcast, I'm going to chat with them about their stories and hopefully inspire our listeners to start their own travel risk management journey. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking TRM. Once again, I'm absolutely honoured to be bringing a. Uh, we we're just talking about the level of friends that I have, and Matt's like right at the top of my kind of friends that I bring into the into the shows. So again, I'm excited. Um, I'm um, I'm just really looking forward to this chat because it feels like it's going to be a slightly different one and a different angle to to what we normally do. So Matt, we met I think back in. We were just talking about it maybe 2018 um, when yep. you came into Cube. where I was working and you offered and you um, delivered our mental health awareness training and you actually um, your organisation also I believe made two of our employees MHFAs. I always get my acronyms yep. wrong so I had to really <laughs> slow down then I Don't am worry, one although I do need to review to renew mine um and we met there. And I think it was just a sort of kindred spirit um, of people and, and caring. And, and we've become friends ever since. And I just wanted to sort of, I always try and give my guests a little bit of an intro about why you mean so much to me and why I wanted you, you know, not necessarily on the show for what you do, but because of who you are. And I, um, you know, there's no, um, there's, I talk about it all the time, you know, when I left Blue Cube, I wasn't in a good place mentally. Um, and I had a breakdown. But you were one of the, people that got me through that time and i you know i'm so grateful to that and it's you know i've wanted to have you on this show for such a long time because what you do is so important and it runs through the core of every single thing that we talk about so although listeners it may feel that we're about to take a slight tangent i often talk about travel risk management as this umbrella that brings things together in an operational sort of way so we can have policies on dei on mental health on physical health and all of these things. But actually, travel is when you put them into action. That's when they you test your metal and actually see if they're worth anything. So today, it is just my absolute honour to introduce Matt Holman, a friend and CEO owner of, of Sim- Simpler, and I always say it wrong, um, I but I think it. I've done it right today, um, uh, to talk about what he does and actually where I feel he fits into this space. So, so Matt, please, um, welcome. And please tell everybody who you are and what you do.
1: Okay.
2: Um, well, firstly, I just want to say a huge thank you. Thank you for for being so kind to me at the beginning of this. And I, I think that's one of the things that I try to um, thread through everything I do is that sort of ability. It's a beautiful gift that we have as humans. is the ability to be kind to each other and actually saying thank you is a really useful way to remind ourselves that actually, you know, people are going through things and experiences in their lives. And sometimes. Um, the kindness element is forgotten because we're so busy and consumed by life and uh, kindness sort of reared its head more when COVID came and I think we we talk about this a lot but I think as we've come out of the pandemic and into this new world we've sort of gone back to being too busy again so we've lost this ability to sort of take a moment to, 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 to say thanks and, and that's what you did and I love that thank you Bex because uh, you're, you're an amazing human and I love you species so you know, there's the, there's the mutual um, validation of, of, of our friendship. Uh, what do I do? So I am just a normal, everyday human who has a passion for helping everybody else as much as I can. So I have one KPI. I run a business called Simpler. You did say it correctly. And uh, it's interesting. Um, The best way to remember it is to say, as I started my business venture, I wanted to simplify things. So it was all about making things a bit simpler. And the idea of my business is is very easy. I, I don't have a very, you know, technical construction to my business because everything I do is focused on one KPI, which is helping people. Helping people, to me, comes in every shape and size, and it doesn't mean that it's one stream that I work with or one strand that I work with. So mental health training is something that I deliver a lot of, or as a group with my company and my team and the people around me, we deliver a lot of mental health first aid training. We deliver a lot of programs around mental health, all different elements of mental health. Um, But why is it that we're talking about travel risk management? Why am I involved in this conversation is probably the biggest question that people will have i was a traveler for 20 years i spent 20 years in business travel i was a global traveler i was all over the world and and i was a regular frequent traveler in, especially in the last years the latter years from sort of 2014 up until about well the early 2016 when i found myself on the sharp end of unemployment because i got fired on a friday afternoon when i was in the us and and so that was painful you know for anybody that's been through their own personal experiences with you know workplace related mental health challenges and i'm not saying it was all the workplace's fault i never want to make that statement but there's benefit. There's 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 pieces that were my responsibility. Pieces that were the responsibility of my employer, of course, and so that hurt a lot. And being a middle aged man at the time, as I, you know, I still am a middle aged man, I, I'm not quite into that latter stages yet, but I'm um, still staying middle. Uh, I felt like I was failing. I felt like I was an absolute failure. I felt like I was all these wonderful things that come in mental health: worthless, helpless, hopeless. You know, um, yeah. And I and I pretty much destroyed my career. So I had to create something else. That's where Simpler was born. That's how it came about. I'm very passionate about everybody. I have a lot of personal journey experiences with, with family members, with experiences with others, supporting amazing people. But what's become really important to me is this uh, validation of the thought that says we need to learn to take care of ourselves first, prioritizing our health. I, I sat on airplanes thousands of times and I never watched the announcement and I never took the announcement seriously. And I never, ever thought I would need to learn about using an oxygen mask. And the analogy of the oxygen mask is perfect for the industry. I don't work in travel anymore. I work across every industry. I work with companies across all businesses because what I work with is people now and humans. And, and ultimately, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm chatting to one of my favorite humans on this planet, Ubex, and whatever I can do to help that's what I'm trying to do so perspectives is important I try and share what I went through with my experience of travel I try to help educate people in terms of you know my awareness of it I'm not saying it's perfect I'm not saying it's absolutely the same for everybody that's why I'm here
0: thank you Matt absolutely beautifully put and making me smile so anyone who is watching this on YouTube will just see me glowing as he's saying all these wonderful things but oh my god we just don't say things enough I I happened yeah. to see a post on social media this morning and someone was asking a question and just within it just, just 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 everyone just came back well not everyone but the majority of people were coming back just being so offensive and so off and you just think wow. I know that we're stressed but Come on, if someone doesn't know something, just be kind. Like, you know, what is this? Yeah. Well, just be kind generally. I'm so taken aback when I say hello to someone in a store and they're like, I always say, How are they? And they genuinely go, yeah. I'm fine, thanks. And I'm yeah. like, Seriously, no one, but you know, I know what happens. And it's, yeah, it yeah. is like that. So, I think um, well, you nailed it as to why you're here. There's there's lots of things that we can explore with this, and actually, we we started this conversation. Well, we started this conversation years ago. It's it's great to see yeah. us both here. Um, I'm a massive fan, and I think what you did is the thing is that the, the experience that you went through was so typical of of our time. Now it feels like there's not an excuse for people to be going through this because actually of our time, people weren't talking about mental health. They weren't talking about risk management. They weren't talking about people generally. Um, I, oft- I often say that, you know, the beginnings of HR sometimes felt like it was there to protect the company rather than protect the people. I think that's changing and it has changed over the years to a degree. But it's there to kind of be that sort of middle ground. And, you know, we were born into a culture of working, of work hard, play hard. Um, your conversation around, I never even used to look at the travel safety video. I was the exact opposite. I literally kind of read it yeah. constantly because I was terrified. But I wonder whether that's this kind of image thing, this kind of you know needing to be a certain way when you're traveling yeah. as a male traveler versus a female. Tra- it, it, there's so much stuff that goes into this. And that's the whole point. where mm-hmm. people and we're all completely different. And that's why this conversation is so important. So um, I'm going to have Bruce McIndoe on this podcast um, soon, and I know that he's a fan of obviously travel risk management, but he's a huge fan of people risk management. And I think that's what I'm really keen yeah. to bring together today with you, Matt. So let's get into the, to your why um, we're going to, we're going to see where this goes. I know it's going to be interesting. Um, yep. So yeah, let's dive in.
2: Why, 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 why anything? Why, why do we do what we do? Why do we love what we do? I, I, I'm so passionate about this subject, Bex, you know, this, and, and, and the reason I'm passionate about it is because of my own personal experiences and my own personal journeys through this. You know, as a traveler, I feel um, if I connect to that, that world, you know, and I can connect to many parts of my life now. And, and one of the reasons, I'm just going to touch on that, why I didn't watch the safety briefing. And I think it actually yeah. touches on, on one of the most important things that we, we get to through the journey of our careers and our lives. We get to a place where we stop learning. We get to a place where we don't open up our sensory receptors to take on more information, um, albeit now we're in the world where it's so far. Since so I quake. And we can get information at the drop of a, a you know pin but but when i was in that place i thought i knew everything i felt like i was invincible i felt like i was in control i felt like you know all these things were I, I was able to manage i had a family you know i still have a family i still have my daughters and my wife um i was lucky to sort of retain that as well especially with some of the sort of things that were going on in terms of being away a lot and not being present very much and you know just being absolutely shattered and t- tired when i got home from travels and you know and, and my wife always gave me adjustment time so she always gave me like two days to adjust but I wanted to spend time with my girls but I just felt I was tired and you know that's a demand so what is my why well my why is I stopped learning so now I learn every day every conversation is a lesson education whatever you want to call it when I train people albeit the program's exactly the same every single person in that room is different and that's what I love now so I've enabled myself to look at the world through the eyes of many rather than just through what I think is the world that's given me so much better perspective greater depth Um, One of the other reasons of my why is because I am a Samaritan and I'm I'm proud of being a Samaritan, supporting people, again, giving me the opportunity to hear and listen to people talking about their own experiences. And why do I get up every morning passionate? Why do I get up every morning and say to myself how grateful I am because I don't have a job anymore, because I don't have to work in the sense of I don't see my work as being work because it's a passion. It's a hobby an interest. It's something that I really enjoy. Um, it's because of my girls, because of my daughters. And, and you know, they've struggled with some some pretty heavy duty challenges in their lives. And they're young, you know, my, my eldest daughter's going to be 21 in uh this year. And and so she's really struggled with her mental health for five years. And that's something that has really of course it could consume you, it could destroy you, it could take you to a dark place. But for me I've used it as an alternative weapon to help others by taking the opportunity to talk openly. I'm unshackled I'm, I'm now. I don't have you know, the restrictions that I would have had if I was in the corporate world. And I know a lot of people feel that way. I really I really would like to talk, but I'm scared. I'm worried. And so, so why do I share what I share? Why do I open up and tell people about the fact that my daughter's been in hospital now for three years out of the last three and a half years? Why do I tell them about what she's been through with their mental health journey? It's not to show off and wanting sympathy. It's just to say, it's why I love what I do, because I genuinely have a reason to be invested in this. And the other element that we can bring into this thought, you talk about sort of mental health and, and, and well-being in, in the sort of the opening is, is neurodiversity, because that's something that I was not even really looking at in the lens of any focus until 2020, when my eldest daughter was diagnosed with autism. Um, and just earlier this year, my, daughter, my youngest daughter was diagnosed with, ASD, um, sorry, with um, ADHD so you know this is something that's in my world it's it's like I'm supposed to be here why am I here? why do I do what I do because I'm supposed to be doing this and that's how it feels so you know and then I bring those experiences to life and I share that and I love telling stories and I've got a million stories of everything because I've taken seven and a half years to learn everything about life and I don't know everything about life by the way but I do know there's some complexities that every single person is going through right now, which which links in a little bit to what you're trying to do with the travel risk management, which is one of the challenges, which is everyone's different. Everyone's unique, right? right? We're all different, right? We're all different. I love that. It frustrates people when they're trying to put systems in place that capture everybody. But that's why I do what I do.
0: I love it, too. And it's... It's trying to get to this idea that we can't put everything in boxes. Can we stop putting everything in boxes, please? I know know that works from a systems perspective, but actually that's not who humans are. Um, It's so interesting to hear. I just want to put a shout out, actually, because you recently did, um, you just run the London Marathon, didn't you, um, for autism, for the Autism Society. Um, And you got a personal best, didn't you?
2: I did, yeah. Not twenty-five minutes off my. TV, that's so. incredible.
0: I mean, talk about being inspired. Oh um, my gosh,
2: yeah. Amazing.
0: So you signed up for
2: next year, right? You signed up for next oh,
0: year. I've signed up to um, sponsor you for next year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right, I'll take really that. I, don't, I don't know if
2: I'm doing it next year yet. We'll see. We'll see.
0: I, well, I'm, that's just my get out of telling you I'm not running. Um, but let's just go back to that. There's a, so there's some. Thank you for sharing your wise. Um, it's. I think this is what it comes down to you know in the boardroom we can make these decisions we can write these policies and we forget that the people whether they are the executives or whether they are the kind of you know the, the people doing the work the operational guys and girls they all are people and they yes. all have families dependents um of some kind uh, situations yes. and I talk a lot about this in travel risk management I have a mantra which is that basically anything that can happen, hopefully you're going to like this, anything that can happen to a human can happen when they're traveling. That's the first, but that's the shortened version. And then we add on. And the issue with that is that it's going to be probably worse when they're traveling because they don't have a support network around them. They're somewhere strange and different. You know, Mm -hmm. I touch on, you know, the loneliness that can happen when you're a traveler the fact that you know unfortunately there is high suicide rates in hotels and actually how do hotels deal with that from a looking after their staff perspective as well because often it's housekeeping that make the first discovery yeah, yeah. of all of this and it's just this kind of dark area that we don't talk about like a lot of other industries we, we make a lot of noise about how supportive we are about mental health we then don't think about the the toll it has on 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 the, on the people I, if we can dig in a little bit deeper to Mm. your experiences of, you know, the the impact it had on you sort of mentally and physically, I think it's really interesting that you point out that, you know, as far as you were concerned at the time, you were flying high. I had exactly that experience. You know, I thought I was doing so well uh, before I crashed. (laughs) Um, And I clearly wasn't, you know, looking back on it now, I'm like, Um, and I'm now, you know, like you, I can talk freely about this stuff because I'm, you know, I'm not, I can, I can do what I want. You know, I, I run my yeah. own business and, yeah. um, and I want to talk about it because I think people don't talk about it. You know, we put so much pressure on ourselves. You know, people are scared of flying. Imagine. And then you've got to be squashed into the back of a plane because your company won't pay for even premium economy to then get to a meeting for two hours. Like, what? what is all this about? So if we can take a slice into your life, and then I really want to feed back into yep. the to the mental health piece and traveling as well, because I think the neurodiversity piece is just so yeah. important.
2: Yeah, there's, there's a lot we can cover here. And, um, and you know, and I, I sort of thinking about taking a slice into my life. I think I'll take you back to when I was in that final year of travel, because I think that was the one that really sort of highlighted some of the key challenges that I was experiencing. You spoke already about loneliness. And I think if we overlay the reality of loneliness and travel, you know, if you're spending, you know, a week, a month, I was spending a week, a month in the U.S., and and that was and that lasted for nine months. and Then it all went wrong. And and one of the things that I found really challenging was being so far away from home. So, you know, I'm in the UK and my, my family are in the UK and I'm in the US. I had a team in Singapore. I had a team in, the, in Europe and America. I was working all hours and, and my 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 body wasn't really taking it well i wasn't and i wasn't healthy myself anyway and and you know there's there's two elements to this was the thing about mental health which is something we all have but there's also the physical health element and and we we sometimes don't connect the two points so if you don't take care of yourself physically it obviously impacts your mental health, but people don't necessarily realise that. But I wasn't looking after myself. So what did that mean? So i go away for a week and the typical week would, for me would be, i go to a hotel in, in the area that I was going to and the office was about 500 metres from the hotel. No further, it wasn't that far at all. It wasn't even a mile. And I would go every morning about half seven to the the office because there's nothing else to do and every evening I'd walk back to my hotel and I'd either catch dinner on the way back or I'd have dinner at the hotel I'd do that for seven or eight days now of course loneliness was only present when I wasn't with other people or that's how it seemed albeit now I can appreciate that people are very lonely in offices actually while they're on their travels and doing their things and so for me I spent all this time on my own, just thinking about things and and actually not good things, negative things, you know, and and worrying about things and anxiety starts to rear its head. And I'm thinking, what are my children doing? What's my wife doing? You know, when am I getting home? And I I just had this attitude. I just wanted to go home all the time because I was so, so disconnected. And, and I used to phone home. And this is something I shared actually at a dinner once and, and, and actually made somebody upset when I said it because they then realized that that is exactly what was going on with them. And, you know, it wasn't said to make people upset. And it's, it's not that bad a comment, actually. So I'm setting out with a lot bigger impact that it's probably going to have. But I used to phone home from America. And I remember it was like my lunchtime, tea time in the UK. And my girls, my daughters, who were younger at the time, this is, we're talking about seven years ago now, um, they, would, they would just say, what do you want? And 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 I and it was almost like I was a stranger phoning into the house. And then my wife mm-hmm. would come on the phone. She goes, well, I'm just mm-hmm. doing dinner and we've got to do the bath for the girls and we've got to do this for the girl. And and there was never any conversation about what was going on. All I genuinely craved was connection to the people that I loved the most. And when I lost my job, something magical really did happen, albeit that wasn't a magical moment. And that was my wife reminding me of where I was loved. And she said, come home. She said, just come home. And you know we'll, we'll work through this. We've always worked through challenges together, and and it just then was that sort of that little glimmer of something. Yeah. And, and and for me, that's something that I think we often miss is is those home connections, those those disconnections when we're talking about the time zone differences and and the risks that that poses. But I do just want to bring one other thing in there as well because I saw this happening, and one of the things I called sort of out in 2017, 18, I guess, was was this this movement or there's a, like a movement from hotels towards. I call it ghosting in hotels. OK, so what does that mean? It doesn't mean about people that have died and ghosts being present, albeit there might be some, depending on where you stay. But what I was saying was you can literally walk through the front doors of a hotel and never talk to a single human.
0: Mm.
2: And and it was enabled by the hotels. And that wasn't about necessarily, you know, that they couldn't resource. It was more about um, just, you know, products or efficiency, I guess is what yeah. our word is. Efficiency is great, albeit you need touch points with humans because you need to be able to check people those people who go to hotel rooms and sadly who do you know end their lives where are they touched by other humans in the sense of is there a receptionist that talks to them? Is there somebody that sees them in the corridor? Is there somebody that greets them? And and that's something that did scare me, because you can order room service in your room. I think some hotels are putting gyms in your room, so you could do the gym in your room. Um, talking openly at a forum, it became apparent that a lot of females will stay in their room, eat in their room, because of safety concerns and all those things. And and actually, these are all factors that we need to be establishing better understandings of. And you know, that's ultimately some of the key points that I've seen, albeit there's many, many more.
1: Not sure where to start with implementing a standard such as ISO 31030? A gap analysis exercise from Ascent Risk Management is the best place to start. Our expert consultants will take you step by step through your chosen standard and highlight any weak areas. This can be conducted remotely and the results of the gap analysis can form the plan for your targeted project. Contact Ascent today at www.ascent1.com and booking your gap analysis today.
0: I want to just, I'm just conscious of time and I know what you and I like. So I just want to drive back to this, um, talking about neurodiversity. It's something we don't talk about in travel at all. Um, if you read the Daily Mail, you just think it's the newest fad and everybody wants a neurodiversity oh, it label oh, it these is. days. Um, you can
2: sound by that, yeah, it is, definitely.
0: <laughs> definitely sound by it. Yeah. Um, Matt thinks (laughs) it's just everybody wants a label um no it's um it's something that's happening and I've got lots of thoughts about this you know I Mm -hmm. think a lot of this is a reaction to how we live you know we're thinking you know we're not programmed to live in the way that we Mm -hmm. do and over this sort of period of time and this stress and this kind of this environment that we've been in and Again, we talk about all these, this awareness of well-being and, and all this stuff that companies are supposed to be doing to support things, and then we almost joke about them because companies are doing it so badly. I mean, there's some amazing outtakes on mental health training for companies <laughs> where yeah. people are so stressed and they're not actually dealing with that piece. They're just adding more sort of, you know, so, so what is all that about? But how do we, I think the bit I'm interested in is sort of neurodiversity in, in traveling. Mm-hmm. So i recognize myself as neurodivergent i haven't kind of given myself a label because i don't really know um i just know that all of my life i've i felt like i could be, i've experienced things differently and i've sort of been told by people throughout my life that i'm different you know throughout work throughout everything and and some people like it and love me for it and some people don't you know and i and i feel like i have to change and adapt myself to to different situations i'm a female and i Adapt probably we mask more, I think than men, don't we, from from what yes. we understand, yeah. and so yeah. I don't know. I'm not trying to jump on the bandwagon daily mail. I'm just trying to understand who I am a little bit more. Um, but I think that's what it ties into is that we're all different. So my mm. approach, whether I'm neurodivergent or not, um is to how to how I might approach a trip, would be similar yeah. to some people and completely different to other people. And I think that's the sort of thing that I want to sort of bring into this conversation a little bit. How do we make our travel programs okay for everyone, you know, yes. accessible for everyone? We can't even make them accessible for people with physical disabilities right now. I mean, it's falling. No. Uh, if you look at the airlines yeah. and going on with, you yeah. know, wheelchair access and actually destructions of people's wheelchairs, their light, you know, their, their their movement and their yeah. freedom ultimately, because we just don't seem to have worked it out yet. How do we yes. get better at this? And I just, what are your thoughts on that? You know, with two girls now who potentially with neurodiversity diagnoses, what's yeah. your thoughts for them and what they would need if they were going to embark on a, you know, on a business trip in the future? And what, yeah. what are your expectations around that?
2: Well, you know what? I can, I can give abs- absolute fact because my youngest daughter is struggling with anxiety when we travel every time. And she has ADHD and, and her sensory receptors are being absolutely bombarded when we're traveling yeah. by information. And, you know, I think the thing and it comes back to why my company exists as well. That simplifying thought, you know, of we, we're in a very complicated world. I'll give you my, my thoughts on why we're starting to see a surge in ADHD and AESD um, and the other neurodiverse topics, because obviously dyslexia and dyspraxia and Tourette's and things sit within the, neurodiverse, the neurodiversity yeah. spectrum. But one of the reasons I think we're seeing this is because, well, a couple of reasons. Firstly is we're raising more awareness. So as we raise more awareness, people can start to identify and notice things that maybe they understand in themselves. And, and that's a not a bad thing actually. The thing about self-assessment is a little bit scary if people are using it as a label to say, I can't do it because I've got ADHD or I can't do it because I've got ASD. So, so I'm always very cautious with that. Yeah. I think the other reason is because of the world we've been in, people have taken a moment to pause and to think about what's important to them. There's been this sort of moment to change. And as the world's all of a sudden gone from, you know, we went from that lockdown where it was a bit more peaceful, maybe. I know some people found it really stressful, so I don't want to just give it the balance that everybody found it like that. But, but we found it there was a bit more peace because we weren't traveling. We weren't doing you know, all the yeah. things that we filled our busy lives with. As we sort of restarted the engines, what I believe has happened, this is my personal feeling, is there's been a bit of a, an earthquake. The ground's shaken. And when the ground shook, what we saw was the moving of the masks and the masks started to change. And and actually, so what we're seeing is the unveiling of of the truth. And that's not a bad thing, by the way. This is what we need to do. So I do genuinely believe the earth movements have changed the way the masks are seen. So we now start to see traits of autism. We now start to see traits of ADHD. We see people starting to go, actually, I'm really tired. And I've, I've just, you know, I don't know why I'm really struggling right now. The other factor that's happening right now with neurodiversity in particular is the misdiagnosis of mental illness now neurodiversity is not mental illness neurodiversity is something that's you know you're born with and, it, and you know, it can develop it can be attached to things like mental illnesses like anxiety but it isn't an illness yes it's something that we have you know recently we had or uh, well, sorry in, in in april we had neurodiversity uh celebration week we didn't have an awareness week, we had a celebration week because what we were saying was look we've got all these amazing humans who've got some cool, incredible skills 10% of the population are deemed to be with neurodiversity, albeit that's not true because it's much bigger. And yet we don't embrace the reality of their skills. You have an amazing skill set. I have an amazing skill set, you know, and I say that with confidence that I'm highly, probably likely with ADHD myself. But you know what? I don't use it as a tool to try and get myself any advantage in life. I just think of it as a okay. So what are my powers? Hyperactivity. I get really excited and very, you know, I get into it. My brain is like a motor. So I keep on going and I I can work my best hours at this time of the day because my brain's going. Now we're on. Let's get going. And, you know, and then later in the day, I might be more tired because my sensory receptors have just gone oh, we've overstimulated. We need to just have a bit of a break. So those things are really important. How do we get to a point in the future where we can help more people with neurodiversity? Well, I think we have to adapt the world to be neurodiverse, not neurotypical. And one of the things that's quite interesting with that, and I've just been working with a conference around bringing neurodiversity into conference and recognising that maybe 90% of the conference delegates would be neurotypical versus 10% neurodiverse. I said, look, design a conference for the 10% and the neurotypicals won't worry. They won't, be min- they won't mind it. It won't actually, it won't make them feel upset or angry if there's a quiet room where they can go and they can get some peace. Even neurotypical people want to have a rest at times. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. that's what we need to, so that's how we need to redesign this. And you know, travel uh, risk management needs to look at it through the eyes of people with neurodiversity. The best people to talk about neurodiversity are those people that see it with neurodiversity as part of who they are in their makeup. And so this is something we need to do. Workplaces, just to call out to anybody that works anywhere, just talk to, you know, diverse people. Ask them how it feels when they travel. Ask them what you can change when they travel. It's so important. I, went, I was out with my daughter just last weekend, and my daughter was in hospital, so we went out. We went to a, a venue in, in Exmouth for lunch. And I'd never seen this in the world. You know, I'd never seen this anywhere, and I, I would love it if anybody out there had seen any of these. There was a sign outside we are proud to support people with ASD and it was like an entertainment space there was a bowling alley and a cinema sort of thing and then there was a restaurant and the restaurant was really nice but what we noticed in the restaurant was quite interesting was the tables were really well spread out there wasn't a huge smell from the kitchen of food there wasn't a noise it wasn't noisy there was no big announcements the music was very low the lighting was very you know moderate and I didn't even consider what that meant until I saw the sign outside sign saying we are proud Mm. to support people with asd and it gave two options it says if you have adsd and you're struggling with the light we could turn the lights down we could change the noise levels or we could give you ear cancelling headphones or and it said we're also accepting of people who scream who uh, may be you know erratic and it really honestly i've never seen it bex and it was something that i thought you know what wouldn't it be nice if we had policies where we say we support people with asd and if you're traveling and it's too noisy We'll give you an ear cancelling headphones or we'll give you these, um, there's things called loops you can use. I saw these recently, which are quite incredible. Um, and so we can make adjustments. And, but that comes from saying, we wanna support you, not going, how can we support you? It's giving people so- support through, I care about you. It comes back to that first point I ever made, kindness and caring, that's what it comes down to. And the only way to embrace this is by saying to people, I wanna help you, tell me what's going wrong, tell me how you feel, and then we'll learn. There we go. I-
0: and treat me, I mean, just beautiful. I saw that post on LinkedIn and I really was, I'm grateful you talked about that today because I really wanted to kind of shout that out because I think it's incredible. I've never seen anything like that before. I'm I mean, sure there are other places that, you know, do it. I'm not trying to suggest there isn't, but amazing, absolutely amazing. I think, you know, just thinking through your daughter's experience going through airports I have exactly the same I get headaches I have to wear sunglasses for the whole time people wonder where I wear sunglasses all the time famous Not because famous? Really cool. famous. <laughs> yeah that's it I'm really it's famous. the
2: entourage behind you isn't it carrying your bags
0: that's it lovely that's it um I don't even really travel anymore darling it doesn't fit in my sustainability policies these days but um it's the bright lights I wear earplugs nearly all the time I um I'm really overstimulated and I have to go and rest after the after, yeah. I'm good with people, you know, People, I, I can light up a room, but I'm exhausted afterwards and I can't talk to people for two days. This is the stuff that people don't see. I haven't had to chat with my sister about this and she was like, I just don't think, you know, I'm not sure that you are. And I'm like, I don't think we're in a really position to be calling people out as to whether they are or not. And she wasn't meaning no. it to be like is. that. No. But it's just, I am, this is how I feel. So and i'm you know I'm actually feeling I can talk about this now, and how can we you know how can we bring this into programs? So for me, it's about bringing people into this you know into this space to have conversations when I'm writing policies for companies, including that space as well, and ensuring that we're talking to those travelers. I don't like this idea of being called out by other people. I've experienced that too. I had a boss that declared I might be autistic across the entire office space once, and I was just humiliated. Right. So that's not the way to do it because you don't – but it's, it's exactly what you said. Like, we want to help everyone. What is it that you need from us? What would make yeah. it better for you? But you can't – you have to just – you have to do it for everyone. And I think this is the thing that scares companies about some of this stuff because we're saying dig deep. Go and yeah. have conversations with your staff. Go and understand this. And we like doing that, do we? But I think it's the only way. And and that's what you do, and it's what you do every day, and it's what you you, you – Preach and what you talk about and what you're passionate about, and Matt, I just i adore every single part of you too. Um, so the feeling is so mutual. This is a Matt and Beck's loving. It uh, is, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, and you've got your own Matt at home as well. So you know, you've got, got mats everywhere. It's confusing.
0: It? Yeah, it's yeah. get a bit confusing. Basically, yeah. anyway, well, I suppose not. It's easier for me. Um, yeah. I love, I love all mats. Um, yeah. But look, I we can we can talk about this more. Um, but you know, Matt is also. He doesn't complete. He said he said he is, and I haven't quite got him in yet. But he's going to be joining the ISO group, which is going to be developing 31030. So we can really bring this kind of piece in as well, because people risk management, travel risk management, sustainability reduction, guys, it's all the same thing. We have to just bring this together and see. It's about looking after your people and doing what's right for them. Um, thank you, Matthew, Matt, my dear friend. Okay, so we have been listening to travel respects interviewing or having a conversation with not interviewing matt holman um friend um mental health evangelist but just just generally damn good human being and person setting an example to the world um, we will be back in another couple of weeks for another episode i really hope that today's brought something different for you to think about this in a different way that's all i'm trying to do with these podcasts um, thank you so much for listening and we will see you in a couple of weeks this has been talking to take
1: care Bye.
0: Thank you.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Talking TRM is in association with Ascent Risk Management. If you enjoyed listening to today's podcast, please subscribe and make sure to leave a review. If you need any help with implementing an ISO standard, such as ISO 31 or 30, or if you have any questions regarding ISO, please reach out to Ascent Risk Management to talk to one of our expert consultants today. We can be found at www.ascent1.com. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram. And links can be found in the show description. This podcast is a Clemark Studio production and was produced by Jessica Ingalls.